Hey, Brian. Hey, Chris. Welcome to Building Up To It. It's the Better Late Than Never Part 2 edition. All right. It's One me, second. it's Bricks on the Dollar, and it's Brinks on the Dollar. Oh, should I update my name? You don't have Let's to. Uh, Brian's been on the show two or three times now. We don't remember. It's been a while. But he has he's hung in there in the chat longer than most he's always weighing in on topics you don't get to hear it but maybe tonight you will and we're happy to bring you this is i guess i'll just publish it immediately afterwards just like last week but another i did it on saturday last week this is friday so we're closer to when it was supposed to air maybe in the future we'll get back on schedule but I'm not willing to miss a week as much as people tell me it's fine. You can skip a week. It's the holidays. Right. The holidays is when all the listeners have all the extra time to listen to things, but everybody else is too busy to make the content for people to listen to. That is the problem. Yeah. I, I have this nagging thought that I'm going to, it's, we talked about chasing the ghost, which is a really great, term that I, I i i don't even i don't know if i thought of it during the show or if i thought of it before we did that show that episode but i chased the ghost with the episode numbers too i'm in this 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 network this cool table network and everyone has how many episodes they put out some people are weekly some people are every other week some people are whenever they want to but I feel like there's this real prestige in the higher you get that episode number. And every time you skip a week, you're letting somebody else creep up on you. I'm not willing to let that happen. I'm going to put out one a week every week forever. That's an interesting perspective. It's um, very, very juvenile, but that's that's the perspective I have on these episode numbers. So this is 161, and we're going to keep rolling. I like palindromes. 161. Sounds good to me. Palindromes are super easy when it's only three characters. Yeah. <laughs> the easiest, oh. I guess. That's <clears throat> the easiest they can be. That's true. <laughs> I mean, you can't have one. Does it? Could you? Every two characters. Every, every, one, every one character is a palindrome. <laughs> <laughs> every rhombus. What is it? Every square is a rhombus, but every rhombus is a square. Something like that. Something like that. Hey, let me ask you this. Do you remember when there was a big war in the in the DVD production when DVDs were newish between widescreen and full screen editions? I do remember that because people were like, what was the deal? They're like, you're you're not using my full television screen because we all had right? those screens with the with that aspect ratio. Isn't that and... the greatest PR spin you've heard of? <laughs> Instead of going old TV or new TV, it was widescreen. That sounds fun, you know, just like the movie theater or full screen. You're going to use the whole screen. Don't you think about not using that whole screen? We're bringing you the whole screen and nothing but the screen. That's a good PR spin right there. Full screen edition. Yep. And because people are like, I don't like these bars on the top. It's like, you're not using my, the full capabilities of my 
displaying device. Um, and then, but little do they realize, you know, in some regards, when you zoom into full screen, they cut off the edges of the picture. Because hmm. um, it was, I mean, it, it's it's all like it was all shot for a wider screen anyway, because it was all in the theaters, right? That's correct. Yeah. And if people remember, you know, when you would watch TV movies on network TV, not only would it say uh, content is edited for time, but it would also say this this picture has been formatted to fit your screen. And so one example comes to mind specifically is Die Hard. We're in, hey, it's the season of Die Hard, right? But I remember Thanksgiving had, is over, so yes, yes. Yeah, we had this we had this VHS of Die Hard, Die Hard 1 and 2, believe it or not. It was a two-pack. Oh, what a value. Probably bought it at uh, BJ's or something like that. My mom used to buy all these VHSs. Every BJ's trip. Toilet paper and a movie, you know, something like that. Uh, but Original uh, quarantine. <laughs> that, that VHS, the way they formatted it, everything was stretched. So... It wasn't that they cut off the sides of the movie, but the vertical aspect was stretched. So, like, John McClane had, like, kind of like a long and narrow head. But it wasn't – it was kind of weird how they did it. I just I, I just remember that, that movie specifically for, for having having them do that weird kind of formatting. So I thought, thought it kind of odd, but I thought it was kind of cool at the same time. I'm ditching a lot of my physical media – I had I had I didn't have like the biggest DVD collection, but I had more than I'd want to have to keep moving from like home to home. Mm-hmm. And so I started putting them all on eBay just one at a time. You get like a dollar for them if they sell it after the fees and then the, the shipping charge and the shipping paid. You get like a dollar, two dollars per movie. But that's fine. I'm looking for anything above throwing them out. Exactly. Really. So if I had, if I had went to the flea market or something with them, they'd all be a dollar each and I'd be lucky to try to move them because everyone's got a, a long box full of DVDs that no one's ever going to look at twice. They all have, you know, when they has, when the case has the sun damage, you're like, this has been at a lot of flea markets. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I put them all on eBay and I'm like, you have to, they have stock listings for a lot of these things, but there's every different edition of it. And I find that I have got a bunch of widescreens. I got a bunch of full screens because of when I was buying these, it really wasn't a concern of mine, which edition it's like, I was getting movies here, there and everywhere back then. And it's whatever they have in the, at like a, a used CD store or something like that. So I, I'm looking at these full screens like no one's ever going to buy this on eBay. This is one I'm going to have to throw out. Yep. It's uh, I don't know. Maybe you can make some art out of it or maybe. Do they work as coasters? I don't know. They have a hole in the middle. Probably not. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I don't have an extensive physical media collection. You know, I have I have I have the things that I kind of always thought that I would need, which would be my Transformers uh you know, sets. Remember that you ever see those? They're in like the, the, the foil type of book packaging. Season one, then yet season two, and I think the Beast Wars ones kind of look like that as well. I have, I have these Beast Wars ones. Yep, I have those. But then I, I some one of the discs was 
was busted or something on one of them, so I wound up buying a new, a newer edition of season one. Uh, which you know, yay, more money into it. And then G one is lower somewhere on one of these shelves, but I I don't know which one I have. I have the twenty fifth, twenty fifth, twentieth. I don't know. One of the the eighty six movie DVDs with the lenticular front. Yeah. With like the Optimus or the Hot Rod version. Right. I have that. Yeah. And uh, I've got the you know I've got a set of Star Wars movies. I've got a set of Harry Potter movies. I put all mine up, man. All the Star Wars ones. I'm mm-hmm. like, we got Disney Plus. What do, what do I need it, these DVDs for? Exactly. And it's uh, but it, you know, I I moved into this house ten years ago, and in my apartment that I lived in ten years before that, you know, I had, I don't know, maybe twenty maybe 30 dvds uh very nice i have i put them in a box and put them in my crawl space and that is where they have remained for 10 years <laughs> right so you so, you definitely need to own them yeah. right if yep. been in uh, i mean there's a there's a full collection of uh the alf tv show in there somewhere <laughs> probably, you know so but it's like i remember i was going to bring those to sell at one of our njcc events and uh I didn't have enough room because I I packed it with toys. You so. didn't want to bring the vibe down, right? Like that. You didn't want to bring some of the vendors are kind of junky. You didn't want to bring that flea market feeling <laughs> to NJCC. Like, look, this is a safe place with all kinds of toys and all kinds of smells. I don't need to bring used DVDs into this. Who was it? You or Gort that was selling a box of like books the one time? <laughs> it wasn't me. It was, it was a Gort. Somebody had like a whole case of, I don't know if they were D&D manuals or or what they were, but it was a whole case of books. I was like, who's, who's, what is this? It's on the floor too? Where are we? I mean, I, I bring weird stuff to sell once. I mean, I sold a, a radar detector once. I sold a, a set of dishes. I think they were Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle dishes, uh, an ant farm. I can't remember what else, but I think those DVDs would be good. It's like, it's like, hey, please buy some of these Marvel Legends that no one wants to buy, and I'll throw in a movie for you. You know, kid, <laughs> people walk by with their kids. I'm like, hey, if you if you buy this figure, I'm selling for three dollars. Please buy my three dollar figure. I'll throw in a movie. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Just get this Maybe. stuff away we'll from me. We'll see what I have left by the next NJCC because yeah. they've been selling all right. I've sold maybe two dozen. DVDs on maybe uh, on eBay. Some of them are, are surprisingly expensive. Like I think I got 15 bucks for one. Like, whoa, really? collector's wow. edition. Wow. But most of them aren't really worth anything. I'm keeping very few. I, I kind of set up qualifiers for me where if I would stop what I'm doing and go watch this right now, whatever I'm doing, whatever I think about it, then that's what I'm keeping. Right. But anything else, I don't need to see it on demand, so to speak. And I can find it elsewhere if I have to watch it again. And we've right. got all these streaming services. I don't I don't need to keep this stuff. I wish I had a great segue from whatever it is we're talking about right now into Lego. I don't. <laughs> That's just what you have to expect here. Yeah, I, 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 I do have to say, Chris, I'm, I am a little bit jealous to the fact that you know, if I had your situation where postal and mail people came to my locate came to me 
like I would be selling a lot more stuff. <laughs> it would just be that much easier. Well, do you have one of those blue collection boxes like in a short walking distance from you? I don't know, I guess. Do you just throw DVDs in a padded mailer? And Yeah. So yeah. I, I have the, the number zeros, which are pretty, they're pretty standard. Uh, it's the most standard size bubble mailers. It's pretty much you can slide a DVD case in there. That's what size it is. Gotcha. They're not much bigger than that. I don't think you could wedge two in there. Let's put it that way. Um, yeah, I put it in there. A media mail, it's $2.80 to, to ship media mail uh, for a, a DVD because the weight really doesn't range too far with those. But I, I, I ship them like that. Um eBay has changed the way they do money, not in a bad way. Just it's just different now. So the money goes straight from eBay to your bank account. There's no longer PayPal, but if you're shipping a label, you're printing a label to ship the thing. You're generally funding that label with PayPal. So you kind of have to, unless you have money going into PayPal, you're gonna have to move things around in order to get the funds into the label. But that's kind of on topic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, you could just drop them in that blue box as long as it fits in the slot for those boxes. I, I used to do that a lot at previous apartments. I would, and if I uh, if I didn't have anything bigger than what would fit in there, there was one really close to both of my previous apartments, and I would just go put them all in there. I don't know if I got today's pickup or didn't get today's pickup whenever I put stuff in there, but it was out of my hands and it was in a secure box. That was good enough for me. It works. I was talking to somebody today who's opening a Brickling store and talking to them about how the idea of, of shipping nationally or even internationally is, is such a deterrent for a lot of people that they won't even they won't even think about doing e-commerce because they they don't know the first thing about shipping things and it, shipping is like the easiest portion of that whole process so as soon as you just learn how to do that you realize it's not something that should hold you back right it's, that's the easy part yeah and for tasks like that for me like I would want to create some type of rhythm, some kind of assembly line. It's like, okay, it's time to ship everything out. You have labels, packaged, whatever you're mailing, all that other stuff. And I don't know. That's typically how I do a lot of the things in my life. If I can't put it into some kind of assembly line, it doesn't get done, which is why a lot of things don't get done, I guess, sometimes. Well, for that kind of thing, you... The only way you're going to have a bunch to ship at the same time is if you're big and you have a bunch to ship at all times, or if I don't know, you're, you're selling a lot of something that it's really hot and you put it all up at the same time and it just happened to all sell. Like with these DVDs, I'm listing a few more every night and I sell two to three DVDs a week but it's not something where I could wait from one to the next of sales and then ship two at once because they're so sporadic. Um, I think the hardest part about 
have an assembly line would be to standardize and regulate how often your sales are happening. That's true too. I was just taking for granted that people just have stuff going out every day, I guess. Yeah. You could also, you can set on eBay how, how many days processing time you need. And you could just set that to the max, which is like four days. And then once a week, twice a week, whatever fell between last time you did it and right now, you'd ship that all at once. So maybe it's more than one thing. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> but you could you could do it like that if you don't mind people uh, maybe getting upset that things haven't shipped yet. That's something I'm very used to now. As people go, when is this going to ship? It's like, uh, well, there's 46 orders ahead of yours right now. So I'm going to say soon. <laughs> How soon till BrickLink uh, gives you some kind of visual queuing option? So that when someone makes, I don't know, would that be so, good or bad, right? If they could be like, well, this hmm. person is already, like, they're already telling you that you're going to be this such and such in queue or whatever. So, like, you get an estimate of when things are actually going to arrive. And That would and, probably be Bad for me and good for people who are faster about it. Right. But I think the smaller your store, the faster you're going to be about shipping things out. Mm-hmm. It's just how it goes. Unless you had a, if you were overstaffed at all times, maybe. I think it's more likely that BrickLink would institute some system of, um, some system where you you have you have a deadline to ship things like you you have to get they they want to tighten the window for shipping so they they make sure that all things are shipped sooner than how things are going now so they they put pressure on you to get packages out the door faster i mean i could i could ship things faster after i hire some more people but it's right now it's an issue of not having enough staff. Like I could, I could pull orders all day long and there might actually be more orders to pull at the end of the day than there were at the beginning of the day, even with me pulling some. That's a good problem to have. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I can, you know, I, I'm not a, I'm not an avid mock builder but i can just imagine where you're in the middle of something and you're really into building it and then you just like oh my god i don't have enough pieces and then you just have to put that on hold for now and go order something and then wait for it to arrive and you know it's just that delicate balance of you know how much do i want to spend versus do i really want it now you know type of thing. i see so i i hear a lot in the realm about about maximizing the the free shipping with with the uh, the pile of loots, et cetera, mm-hmm. where you're you're waiting to get the free shipping and just knowing that you have that item secured is good enough, really. And I think I'm in that same boat where I'm not placing orders unless i've I feel that I've maximized it, where the the discount that you're getting if there's a sale running can sometimes be negated by what you're paying in postage. And right. sure, I get it. It costs money to mail things across the world. That's fine. I understand. But 
if I can get that free shipping, I'm going to do it. Right. And I think that's a pretty widespread mentality. I get a lot of orders, though. I wish I could see into some of the buyers I have because I have a lot of repeat customers on like monthly or even more frequently than that basis. And a lot of them are these little orders. It's almost like what you said. They run into a, a stopgap with, with building something. And they, they're like, oh, I need these pieces. Order. Full shipping. Whatever. And then I have got some buyers that they'll place an order as soon as their previous order was shipped. Like the same day, I'll pack and ship their order. This being like four days after it was placed. And then... I'll look again and they have another, their names up at the top of the list again. And if I can combine things like that, I do, but I usually can't because there's no way to, to sort it by username. Okay. I think <laughs> like you could, if you look at any order, it'll tell you how many orders in your store that user has placed. And then if you look at that number, it'll tell you how many are in each status of an order. Uh, most of the time, the majority of them is purged, which means it's over six months ago. Because uh, that, that number only gets bigger and the other numbers cycle through the, the stat the stati, statuses, statuses. Mm-hmm. Um, if you placed an order and then you place another order three days later, you, because of how many orders I'm getting your name is not even on the same page of 50 per page. So I'm probably not going to notice that you have an order on page three and you have an order on page one. Uh, I, I I did submit a suggestion because you could submit suggestions to BrickLink, whether there's any ears at all on the other end. I don't know, but you can submit suggestions. And one time I submitted this suggestion where, because, uh, I have automatic checkout and I use a price band system for the postage where X to Y is, is $5 and Y to Z is $10 and more than Z is free in the U S very simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, has nothing to do with the weight of the package or the, um, the kind like the types of parts, the types of items you ordered. It's just, this is how much money you spent. I think that deserves free shipping, et cetera. And I wanted, I made a suggestion that if a user places an order in your store and that user also has another order in your store that's in one of these three statuses, the early ones, so not shipped yet, basically, and, and it's all through automatic checkout, I would like for BrickLink to be able to combine it in some way even if they like put those two together sequentially or one is like a a a bulleted tab underneath it indented something like that so you know hey pull these two together because they're getting shipped together and it can figure out the postage as far as my postage terms are concerned because it's just how much money they spent so does this need more postage did they actually bump themselves into free postage at this point, in which case a, a, a discount would be applied to it to get rid of whatever postage they paid on the first one. That's not something that's going to be happening. I think it's too complicated, and right. I don't know how yeah. many users use the same or similar shipping methods as me. 
Right. And you'd have to go back to the other order and negate that shipping because you're combining them together and stuff. It sounds kind of complicated. Yeah. Or at the very least, just give me an alert when like, hey, this person has two unshipped orders in your store right now because I'm not going to see it necessarily. Right. So today, today was Black Friday. It's weird. It's 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 a weird year. (laughs) Doesn't seem right when I say that. Maybe because I didn't do anything. I didn't go anywhere. I went to my store. Okay. My store was open normal hours. I was open 12 to 7 because it's a Friday. Did you, did you have door busters? Uh, things on sale, no. People at the door, yes. Okay. Which, that's great, right? That's that's a great scenario. Yeah. <laughs> I um, My windows on my store are all painted like they, right. they're the five original Lego colors and uh, only the real nerds will understand what the outside of my, yeah, that only the real nerds will understand the outside of the store. Everyone else. <laughs> the same, that thing yep. barely lights up. There it goes. There it goes. Oh yeah, yeah. Everyone else is just like, is this like open? What's happening? I can't see inside. Even though if you saw inside, you'd just be seeing like the back of shelves. Cause they're all against, I, I'm not going to waste that much space, right? Window space. Um, so I can't see. I didn't know there was a line of people outside. And so I opened the door. And then the store was, for the first 55 minutes, the store was slammed. Like, like I hope no Karens are going to report some occupancy restrictions oh. here at the store. Because I could see some bitter person going, there are too many people in that store. But we're good for now. Find out tomorrow, <laughs> soon, if anything happened. So that was great. I had, I had opened real early, you know, typical Black Friday business in previous years, maybe two, three years ago, closer to when I opened. It might have been, I guess, the first year I was open. I was open at like 6 a.m. like an idiot, something like that. Mm-hmm. There's no need for that. Right. In fact, the store next to me, the liquidator, they... They have done a great job of getting their clientele into a small window of shopping time, in just in general. They were open this morning, uh, like three hours earlier than normal. And I'm thinking, these guys are dropping the ball here. They don't need to do that. Right. Their customers are going to go to their store anyway. I don't know that them opening three hours earlier really helped in any way. In fact, it got pretty slow at their store later in the afternoon. So I think everyone just kind of shifted up and then they wound up having more staffed hours. So that's the kind of thing I'm trying to avoid. Hmm. But I had a pretty general sale. I don't think it was a bad sale. It's I announced it on Wednesday on Facebook and Instagram, I guess, because they're they're one and the same. But I, I just did. 20% 20% off orange stickers, which are my stuff. And 10% off on blue stickers, which is somebody else's stuff. But that's it. It was at most half of the store's contents were on sale. But there were plenty of things that weren't on sale. And I, I, I don't know that I sold more of the orange sticker stuff. Than anything else, I still 
I don't, and I don't know if I'd have to ask Kenny or somebody if that's typical where how much not on sale stuff sells on a black Friday. Typically it's probably more than you'd think. Right. Cause you probably go in there going, I just don't want to know what's on sale, but apparently a lot of people just go in there and buy something regular. I was surprised about how much stuff at regular price that has been there for a while sold today. Well, so that's interesting because let's say you're doubling up with something that you would buy at regular price while also buying something else that you would never really give a second thought to. But now you see that that's on sale. So if you buy both, you could kind of convince yourself that you're saving money on even the regular priced item. Yeah. Um, in some regard. Um and, you know, I kind of wanted to ask you about this. Like, I was kind of curious, on BrickLink, is there a way for you to just say, all right, my whole inventory is 10% off today or something yeah, like that? Yeah, they have, they have a number of ways you can put your inventory or segments of your inventory on sale. There's not really a good way to promote that that's happening. You really would have to take that to your own social media presence. Mm-hmm. You can put a post in the the BrickLink forum about how you have a sale, but that's pretty much all the posts in the forums are small BrickLinkers who are really sweating because they're not getting rich and mm-hmm. they're putting their store on sale. And I'm sure we've talked about that enough here. Your small store, you put your store on sale, somebody bigger comes and buys all your good stuff and then leaves your store at the, as a withered husk. <laughs> and you put it back to full price and then nobody buys anything because all your good stuff is now re- regular price again in in a bigger store. It kind of reminds me of going to a convention. And, uh, you know, for those of us in the realm that sell, we we're selling our own stuff and we want it gone. And if we price that stuff too well, you know, the the other vendors will come around to your table and just pick you clean. And then you'll yeah. see it on their table later in the day for like double the price. But guess what? No one, no one's buying it. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, they they go, they do a lot of shows too. Yeah. So they, yeah. they, I mean, you might not see it sell there, but they'll be happy to have it at other events. Yeah. But if you're happy with the price you put on it, then it should be all good. Sure. Yeah. It just it it does sting a little bit when you see it for sale elsewhere at the same convention, or even if you see it sell from that table later. Yeah. But in some regard, too, it's like I didn't do it to benefit them. I I did it to benefit other collectors, you know, kind of stuff. But uh, I was kind of curious. So, you know, if you think about eBay event, you know, you know, they used to have those those notorious coupons that used to come out. We haven't seen one, obviously, in like a year and a half. But yeah, uh, but they still do their own promotions with like this eBay bucks. And sometimes they do do coupons and other things. Does Bricklink do that for their customers that doesn't affect the sellers? I don't think so. You're talking about does does Bricklink foot the bill for for discounts where the seller doesn't even know that the buyer is getting into the discount? necessarily i don't believe so then again if the seller didn't know that there was a discount happening then i wouldn't know but not to my knowledge bricklink does not have a lot of um advertising budget as far as Mm -hmm. i know or they don't they don't they're there's enough people buying there and there's enough new users every day that they're not really concerned with pushing it any further right 
which is, is good and bad. I mean, if they really flooded that thing with more customers, that'd be that'd be great for everybody, I suppose. That's true. I wonder if they don't have to do certain things for that because everybody's there to buy Lego. So, you know, unless I don't know this. Base plate discounts this weekend or something. I don't know. But then you'd have to have everybody inventory everything properly, which I guess it would be. But, uh, yeah, I don't want to get into the, the weeds of that. But, yeah, <laughs> I was just kind of curious. One thing I did see, I wanted to ask you this as a retailer. I did see this year something very interesting across the various retailers that uh, that I'm that I see because of the Transformers that I bought in the past. Um, but I've seen this year where retailers are doing just general discounts across across the board for all of their in-stock products, um, as opposed to picking certain items that I guess haven't been moving out of their inventory and putting them at deep discount. Like, And like I said, I saw it more often than not this year, which I thought was really, really interesting. And I was just wondering, like, is there a... A major benefit to that does that does that help i mean does that screw them with not getting rid of the dead inventory or maybe they found other ways to get rid of that dead inventory or maybe by putting the whole store on sale the they're moving both i don't know i was just kind of curious it, it might be that where people are gonna I want it. My first thought is that maybe it's like data gathering where mm-hmm. you put everything on sale. You're going to see the things people want and the things people don't want, but you'd see that at full price too. It, 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 everything on sale is the same level as nothing on sale. Right. Um, I don't, that's, that's a great question. Uh, Cause it's, it's not like how you said earlier, where you put one thing on sale and somebody buys that one thing and a full price thing and they kind of mentally bridge that discount between both and now they're both on a lesser sale, but they're both still on sale. It's not that, because if everything's on sale, then everything's on sale. Yeah. That's I, I I did not look anywhere for anything except for uh, buying way too much Gundam. <laughs> and... Let's well. I, mean, I guess I could tell you about the sales I saw for that. Let's see if it's comparable. Um, the one site had a ten percent off all non-pre-order in stock, and they also had uh, up to thirty percent off on off on a bunch of select things which supposedly this is to keep adding to through the weekend, but I really haven't seen the sale page change at all, which is a bummer because I thought that was going to be the site to go to where they had 10% off. Plus all these things are on sale and we're going to keep adding more things to that list of things on sale. Uh, that didn't, wasn't the case because in the, the second site they had, they had a bunch of, bundles i think this is the one they had a bunch of bundles that they created which were a discount but it was like buy two kits and a bunch of like hobby tools i'm like i don't i don't i don't need all these hobby tools this is great for an intro purchase i guess i don't need that 
but they had like a 20% off code on like store wide. And I was like, well, forget that first site. This is the one that's winning right here. And the third one I bought from, it was um, 15% off site wide. And the first 500 orders over, I think, $150 got a bunch of freebies, like a, a few tools and like a, a pin and a sticker that are limited. And that doesn't, none of that matters to me. But I mean, I was, I was there at midnight to get it done because more stuff is more stuff. And also I didn't want things to sell out. So I did, I ordered, I ordered on all, all three sites. The last one was um, the fourth one. Where I didn't order anything. They were, they were 15% off site wide, but they, they don't have a free shipping like ever at all. They, they have a hard stance on no shipping costs us money. You're going to pay shipping. Mm-hmm. And they have the least selection of all the four. And at this point I own pretty much everything. So, so finding something I don't own already is tough. So I guess the, the two sites with the blanket sales really got my money. And then the site with, they had a lesser blanket sale, but they also had select items on sale. They didn't get as much of my money. Hmm. Interesting. But I, I, beyond that, I didn't go anywhere. I didn't look at anything. So I don't know what the sale trends were like this year. Well, I want to talk about uh, some recent Lego sales. Um, I picked up some things recently. And I kind of wanted to go through... I guess some of the challenges that I've had um, thought maybe you might be able to shed some insight on some of this, but uh, I can try when it comes to Lego, I buy all of the winter seasonal sets every year. Uh, So that includes the advent calendar, whatever goes in the winter village, even if it's not necessarily winter village, but what's turning into Santa's village lately. (laughs) Um, (laughs) The, the, yeah, the fictitious claymation village. <laughs> yes. Uh, and also I want to get whatever that exclusive winner set is for the VIP stuff every year. Yeah. And so, um, I know that the VIP weekends with the double points start in November and I was checking my purchases last year and it's like, okay, I no one two years ago i was like as soon as everything went up i bought it and then when that vip weekend hit i was like oh i don't have anything else to buy um so i ended up buying something i don't remember what it was just so i could get that set um and then this past year or the excuse me the year before this one i was like okay i'm gonna be smarter this time i'm gonna wait for the second vip sale and um, what had happened was is the the winter set of that year was out of stock online, so I actually yeah. had to go to the store to get it. And that's but, even more like rampant now. Right. Th- this year, everything's out of stock all year long. I'm getting there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so so I lucked out last year. It's like I went to my local Lego store at the mall, 
and which is great because I get to visit the teriyaki chicken place for lunch. You know, I love that place. And uh, <laughs> I, I picked up my set. I got my thing. I got my double points or whatever. And uh, I'm good. This to is go. uh, this is Christiana. Yep. Christiana. Tax free shopping for Brian B from Delaware. Um, so everything worked out. They had it. Boom. Got everything I needed. And then so this year I had a different plan. So uh, I came into a little bit of, I say, bonus money from work, like through our health plan. Um, I don't know. You do all these things and they end up giving you gift cards. So I ended up getting some some gift cards from that. And I was like, OK, you know what? I've been I'm a Harry Potter fan. It's like eventually what I want to do is I'd like to create a Harry Potter Hogwarts castle display. So. I went and bought all the castle related typesets and um, I did that. Um, and I did that to accumulate enough points that would allow me to, because I've been accumulating points over the years to get that winter set when it, when it finally came time to buy that winter set. And so I did that. And uh, then lo and behold, VIP weekend comes around and that set is out of stock online, out of stock on my local mall. And I'm just like, damn. And, you know, I kind of got into this trap, you know, the same thing, the free shipping trap. You know, I was I was looking at the different advent calendars and stuff and I was like, OK, for some reason, Target is having these things ten dollars cheaper than Lego is. Um, yeah. Same thing at Walmart as well. So I was like, OK, so what am I going to end up doing is. I'm going to just buy them there and then I'm going to wait and get the winner set, you know, with the points and stuff. And then of course I have already forgotten that when you buy things with points that doesn't accumulate your ticket total to reach the gift anyway, I believe if, if that's how it works. Oh. So Maybe. I kind of shot myself in the foot there anyway. So anyway, All I know is you should never redeem points during a double earning period. That's right. That's correct. And it's so that's a that's a trap that I've fallen into since I buy Lego so infrequently. I um <laughs> I always buy on the weekends with the double points, but I never redeem the points on those weekends. So it's like I gotta find something else to buy, you know, at this point. Um uh, so I did use some of my points to buy some of those Harry Potter sets and things like that, um, as well. But so this weekend, you know, I decided, you know, well, if I'm going to brave the climate and go out to this store, um, because it turns out the regular city advent calendar was also out of stock everywhere, except for at my Lego store. So I'm hmm. like, all right. So anyway, what I, I, don't, I don't have a trend for this, but <laughs> I'm fairly certain every year at some point close to like right now ish, uh-huh. the advent calendars fall out of stock at all the retail stores. Yep. It's a really tricky wave to ride where mm-hmm. a store like mine, I tell, I tell people today, they're like, you have the advent calendar. It's like, no, I, I can't get it any cheaper than you could get it. Right. So the only way I would have it is if I caught it right as it was going out of stock everywhere. And then I just happened to have it at an inflated price where I'm now your only option. And right. I don't want to be that guy either. Right. But, that's 
every year it happens, but it's all, I don't know, if you plotted it every year, maybe it's always around the same week or something, but it happens every year where they're out of stock everywhere, but everyone's asking for them because not everybody bought them apparently. Yep. And then after December starts, they fully come out again and you can't get rid of them. Right. So I'll be getting the uh, the old Elf Clubhouse later on here in December, maybe in January when it comes back, most likely. Yeah, you got um, at least a year on it. So Yeah. Yeah, I saw the Winter Fire Station, I think, was still in stock at one point or whatever. And that's like a couple of years old. But uh, so anyway, I ended up buying like the Harry Potter crooked house that the Weasleys live in. Uh, that and the city advent calendar. And I figured, oh, look, there's a set of train tracks. So let me just buy that, too. I got to get to 150 to buy this Rip Van Winkle set or whatever the heck this thing is. The <laughs> Christmas Carol. <laughs> which so is Charles which, Dickens. Yes, yeah, Charles Dickens. Uh, so uh, <laughs> which which doesn't fit the Winter Village theme unless I was to put this into a mock or something anyway, which is I mean, last year they had that big Christmas tree, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, but uh, so anyway, you know, I'm just kind of curious, like how other people, you know, try to deal with this. I, but like you said, it's a race with these sets. You got to just hit it right at the right time. And I think at this point, I'm just going to be like, screw it. Uh, as soon as I see the stuff in stock, I'm just going to get it and stop trying to, to, to figure out this VIP weekend game and double points game. And, and it's just because it's just a big hassle. Um, just a big pain in the butt. Yeah. Um, I think this year is an anomaly for that stuff because this, this is the year where uh, they seemingly have released more sets than any other year. And mm-hmm. we'll, we'll know later on from brick set, if that's the case or not, because it's, it's pushing 800 skews for the year. But this year is the year where, if you're not a day one buyer on some of these sets, then you sh- you can consider yourself like a a month four buyer. Mm-hmm. That's the next best thing because they, they they're they're either in line at the Lego store on pick a random day because that's when things are coming out anymore, or you're not getting it for months because they're just not producing enough stuff this year because right. of. Not all factories are running. Hey, I don't know. I don't work there, so I don't know. Maybe all factories are fully running at this point. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't ever want to be the show that that's that's just making shit up. Is it is it possible for me to just return the stuff that I don't want and still keep the uh, Christmas Carol set? I guess they don't. Uh, ask you. I'd be I'd be kind of curious to see how that works. You probably forfeit your double points or whatever, but you know, I'm not certain. Yeah, there's I feel like you could probably return stuff without a receipt at the Lego store and get like store credit. Well, I would bring my my receipt in. No, but if you bring your receipt, then it shows like that you got them during double and that you got a GWP at the time. GWP. Gift with purchase. Gift with purchase. Okay. Yeah. So they they don't give away free items at the Lego store. They give away gifts with purchase. Okay. That's some uh, that's some corporate speak. So it's like they're not customers; they're guests. We gotcha. don't give away freebies. That devalues the brand. We give right. away gifts with your purchase. You valued guest. <laughs> um. So I I, I think. 
going without the receipt might actually be the better maneuver here because mm-hmm. you're going to get face value on the sets for for I don't I don't know if they make you buy something there and then or if they give you a gift card or or if they just give it to you all in points so you just have an ass load of points but I I think there would be some hold up in the return process if they knew you got free stuff with right. that purchase. But I'm not I'm not certain. Yeah. I haven't really been to a Lego store since I opened my Lego store. Yeah, I'm thinking about just uh you know, hitting up the target next to the mall after Christmas. But yeah, these are gifts that no one wants and uh, I don't have a receipt, you know, type of thing. But uh that or, so or maybe that, I'll that, buy that the might bullet. Be, uh, that might be a a, a a strategy right there. Is yeah. you return them to Target because when Target processes those returns, they go out as with the online return tags on them, which uh-huh. they just get like a clearance price out of nowhere. So then you can buy them again. Oh yeah, <laughs> buy them but, again for half off. But I don't want the Weasley Crooked House, you know, kind of thing. Or maybe I was just going to think, you know, maybe I'll just bite my bullet, bite the bullet, and I'll I'll sell it to you for. Or for you fifty percent off, and he's like, "Here, just take it." Get, take you could it do that. Hand. You could you could also <laughs> sit on it. Like it's the kind yeah. of set it, all Lego sets go up in value after they retire. So I I don't know. You might not be interested in investing, but it's you have it, and it can be something that's worth more later on. And Lego's pretty easy to sell. That's true. I uh, I do have a question for you. That that's a good segue, actually. Um, last show you had on Bone Shaker, yeah, and he was mentioning that he had the Ninjago City like in the back of his closet or whatever, and or maybe it was hypothetical, I can't remember. But uh, basically, it comes to a point where I really want to build this, but is the aftermarket value so attractive that maybe I shouldn't open it and build it, type of thing. That can um, so that that'll happen with. Almost any Lego set if you wait long enough. Uh, I had a customer at the store today who said they had like the they said Kylo Ren's Tie Fighter, but I think they meant the Tie Silencer. But that's semantics. Mm-hmm. But um, they said they have it and they built it, and then they see that I have a sealed one for like more than it was when it was out on shelves, and they're they're like kicking themselves about building it. And I was like, look, that's gonna happen with any set. Like you're either buying these for yourself to build them and, and enjoy them or you're buying them to sell them. But I, I part out sets where uh, sure you, you buy it at X and it parts out for three X. If you were to sell all those pieces and you part of that, you, you, you destroy the product. It's now parts. No one can be sold as a set. And you put all those parts in your store and you slowly start to sell those parts and, I don't know that you ever actually reach 3x because that would require selling every spec of it. Right. But if you look at if I look at the sets that I parted out five years ago, if I had those sets sealed now, they're probably worth 3x. So right. it's like you can't you can't do both. You can either never open anything or open everything. <laughs> right. So and that's where my question comes in, like for an experienced Lego consumer, uh, you know, like this Ninjago city in particular, for example, like it was, it's 
it's more than 3x. It's worth more than 3x its price in a sealed box right now, right? It was probably something. Maybe ridiculous. I don't know. It was something it's... ridiculous that that he spit out uh, a number for. And I'm thinking like I think he said something like seven, eight hundred bucks, maybe more, something like that, right? Something crazy. Maybe it wasn't that much. I don't know. But uh, well, I mean, I have the Apocalypseburg here. Same scenario. I haven't opened it, and it's worth too much now to open. Mm-hmm. Like I, I got it for myself to build, but it's worth like at least six hundred now. So it's, okay. it's not going to get opened. And it originally retailed for. Uh, I don't know. I it it went on clearance before it was gone. Uh-huh. I think last Black Friday, and I got mine as well as mine in Jago City and the docks and the Disney Castle. I got all those from a Lego store employee with their discount. Okay, so that's that's an anomalous price that you can't factor well, into what, what you could what get would, it for. What would but, be the regular retail on that set? Um, I think it was three hundred. Oh, okay, three hundred. So worth double. But my question is. Couldn't you just buy the individual parts if that thing reaches like such a enormous price? I guess if the set's maybe not that big, does do you ever get to a point where it's cheaper to just go out on Bricklink and buy all the parts as opposed to buying that complete set that's sealed in box? I, I would say the most famous case for that is probably the original UCS Falcon. Okay. Because that came out in 2007 and uh, it, it peaked sealed around it was a 500 dollars set when it was new it actually clearanced by the end of its run which is wild to imagine but the peak price on that thing sealed was probably around six thousand dollars um and that was all prior to the the new version of the ucs falcon which came out in 2017 and is going to retire in a month so you better get it unless they put out another one wow but that's going to retire. Um, people were parting the old before the new UCS Falcon existed. People were parting together the old UCS Falcon, and I don't know that it really saved them much money. But it was kind of like the adventure of it, right? The, just the the experience of doing that because this is a I don't know, a four thousand five thousand piece set, something like that. I think and it's it was not just, like, yeah, it's not like you go to one seller on Bricklink too and be like, all right, no, you let can't. me click 5,000 <laughs> times and find all the parts, you know? No, you so, can't. You're, you're yeah. placing lots of orders over a lot of time because of how many people were trying to do that over the world, over years. Mm-hmm. The The parts that were only in that set only pop up every now and then because right. they only came from people breaking down that set or finding it in like used bulk and uploading those parts. So it was a constant, I mean, it's, it's a thrilling adventure, but it was a constant chase and a hunt of getting closer and closer to building this, this thing from scratch, let's say. Okay. And, and you could always, people knew this was that thing going on as, as a seller, because you would see these orders come in and the orders make it very clear based on what's in the order what they're trying to do, what they're trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. You, you'd see these parts like the, the, like the stick shift levers in uh, top and bottom, both light bluish gray. The thing calls for like 50 of them. And those, those have really shot up in value because of there's a bunch in that set 
sure, they were in other things as well, but there's a bunch in that set and enough people were parting it together that the value went up and you'd see every time you list them, you'd sell some and a bunch of other parts. And coincidentally, all those parts went to a Falcon. Because you, you, if you selected all those parts and said, like, what set contains this swath? It, the only option was the Falcon. Yeah. Another one I did was the the Bat Pod promotion, which was like an I don't want to say it's an alternate build because it's not like it just used parts from the tumbler, but they put out some set that, as far as I know, is only available as like a giveaway. And later on, they made it available for that that new revamped VIP system. But it was the Bat Motorcycle from the Dark Knight. Like the escape pod thing from the tumbler. That was a, a originally it was put out as just instructions, and then they had the there's like a raffle to get one, and they gave out a few of them. Not very common, but all of a sudden, all these orders were hitting Bricklink that all contained parts to go to that thing. So people, everybody wanted the part their own together. Oh. And there, I think I talked about this on one of the recent shows, but there was a uh, hero factory was out at the time, those foil bag post bionicle sets. Mm -hmm. And there was a hero factory part in like pearl, dark gray. So like the gunmetal color that's in the bat pod. That's, it was also in a current or aging release foil bag hero factory set. That was all over Toys R Us. And the price of that part, in that set went up so high that you could just go to Toys R Us, buy these Hero Factory sets and sell that piece for like what you paid for the whole foil bag set. So people were running the Toys R Us and buying all, all of these Hero Factory sets that normally wouldn't get the time of day. Right. I'm uh, people were telling me like, you gotta go, you gotta go find them. I'm not interested in that chase. (laughs) I, I am really not interested in dropping what I'm doing and going there. I'm not even interested in trying to buy the the maybe it is, maybe it isn't a San Diego Comic-Con canceled exclusive 2020 Lego sets like the, the Nebulon B and the Bespin Duel and the Wonder Woman and the Black Widow. I I don't care. Like, yeah, I could buy it for 40 bucks and sell it for 100 bucks. But, you know, the, the $60 to me, Flex is not worth the the chase. I, I've got my own lane that I'm in, and I'm sticking to that. And I, I've been stressing to people that you need to find you need to find your edge. You need to find what works for you, what you can do better than anybody else, and do that. Um, be be unique in the way that you you buy and sell Lego. Are are the rest of the parts in those foil bags? Are those parts that would end up selling? I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't know that they are. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's just kind of because then at that point your inventory is just taking up valuable space for stuff that would sell. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, maybe by now enough years have gone by that you probably have cycled through those parts if you were somebody who parted out a bunch of those Hero Factory bags because the older it gets, the more likely it is to sell for some of these things that are only produced for X amount of years and then not produced anymore. Um, you were asking 
if the part out value will be less than the the sealed value after it kind of multiplies mm-hmm. the the best way i can answer that is not necessarily because if a set is retired so the part out value as i've said is an ever falling number from the day it's established the day the set is inventoried and the inventory pulls all the 6 month prices and that makes the part out value that's how it exists and it changes every moment of every day. Every time a part from that set sells, it adjusts. It's an average. And it's as high as it's ever going to be in general, uh, the day it's inventoried, and it only goes down from there. It doesn't turn around until after the set retires. Because once it retires, whatever parts wound up only being in that set, however sought after that set is by people who didn't get it when it was regularly available, that's going to cause the prices of some of the parts in that set to go back up. So the part of value will start to turn around and go back up again. I would say that the, the sealed price uh, multiplier is going to be higher than the, the part of value multiplier. Like the, it's at a different pitch going up again. I think, I, I guess you could still part it together. It's just going to get harder and harder to do so because of whatever rare parts were in there that aren't as available because they either sold already or you have to wait for somebody to crack the set or find it used. But I don't know. The, I guess if if you're if the question is when is the right time to consider parting a set together? It's got to be after it retires, hmm. because any time before that, that's why people part out the set because it's worth more parted out than sealed. Yeah, so it I has just, to be after. I'm I'm thinking through this live, like all of my yeah. videos, as you can tell. <laughs> well, dude, doing it live is is, is the best. Um. The, uh, but you know, there's always like a point where I, you know, it's Lego, right? So if you can't get to a certain part or a certain point where you're, cause you're missing a part, you can always build around it, so to speak, right? So come up with something else. Like for instance, you had talked about the chase of building that old Millennium Falcon. So one of the things that I eventually want to do when I get some time is, you know, I want to go out to Bricklink. And I want to buy the parts to build the classic space Galactic Commander or Galaxy Commander. <laughs> I can't remember which one it is. I don't know. It depends on which those... triangle you mean. <laughs> yeah, which triangle. It had the space lab on the back and it was detachable. Yeah. And it had the chip. Gal- and... Galaxy Explorer? That's like the one, the Galaxy Explorer. But they're. No, that's not it. That's one of the triangle ones. No, this yeah. is something. Oh, this Commander. is not a triangle one. Okay. Yeah, this was Galactic Commander. It had and no, it had commander was the second word, but I can't remember if it's galaxy or galactic. But okay, anyway, um, and I think we we came to the conclusion on that episode that all of the all of the sets that you think of when you think of classic space are like year one classic space, yes. which is interesting. It's I mean it, it it's probably like that in a lot of different franchises where you think of what's what's iconic about this. It's all of the initial stuff and. And even though it went on for like 15 years or whatever, 
the classic space you think of was super heavy weighted on the front end, which I didn't know until going through that. I go through that. I'm like, everything I've ever thought of with classic space, we've already been through. And now we have how many more slides? Right, right. And, and like, as you had alluded to, uh, the triangles ended after that first year. After that, yeah. they did get more diverse. Totally surprising to me. Yep. And it is the Galaxy Commander set 6980. And so I've been thinking about it, and it's like, from my knowledge of LEGO, at least from the ones that I had accumulated as a kid, I know that I had the parts for this spread out through six totes, probably in my call space right now, but I don't feel like digging through them. Also, I know they're all beat to hell and scratched up and the white pieces are not white. And God knows, I'd be really kind of curious to see what's in those totes. There's probably parts to transformers and stuff. And who knows, <laughs> maybe some valuable things in there. I know there's a couple black feathers in there. Those are, yeah. those are, those are, you can retire if you sell those in Lego, right? I had a, I had a, <laughs> I had a feather upload recently, a whole cup of plumes that we had gathered through months of bulk right so it's some of the it, it's everything has to hit reach critical mass before we'll sort it further and upload it so it came time we had like a cup of of plumes and yeah a lot of them are the newer style ones but mm-hmm. we had a couple of them and we sorted them we listed them and then i had like two days of of just heavy plume sales as well as a bunch of emails from people like do you have more do you have more i'm like yeah. not for another six months i won't like yeah, you, I think this was everything this is a big drop it's the the black and the white ones because i remember that white one was in the forestman's hideout uh was it for no camouflage outpost pardon me and uh i know the black one came with the black mon- black monarchs castle but uh but anyway i'm thinking about this uh galactic Ex- galaxy explorer and there are four pieces in there, which I know I have hardly ever seen. And it's these, there's, they're trans, there's a, there's a, a set of translucent and there's a set of white. And they're like, these were under, they're like reverse canopies where the mm-hmm. studs are on top and they go up on the yeah, bottom of the ship. Six by five. Right. Inverted one. Yeah. yeah. It's the, and, the, the underside of the cockpit. Yeah. And those are the only parts that I would think would be really, really rare or hard to find. Um, I um, I see a decent amount of them in the bulk, mm-hmm. which is surprising to me, I guess, because I don't know what years they were made from, but the most recent year is still probably 30 years ago, 25, 30 years ago. Uh, but I, I do see them now and again. There's there's always sellers that are going through used collections. So they just they made so much of this stuff at the time that they're always surfacing. They might not be that common. And and anyone who doesn't deal in used parts isn't going to have them ever. Right. But they're always surfacing judging by what bulk I take in like we took in another 50 pounds or so of bulk today. And I, I've been saying that the bulk that I see coming into my store is like a sliding scale where the any given kid is going to have their their Lego lifespan being like 
when they started getting it and when they fell out of it. And that is if we were to put it to a, a, a predetermined length of time that keeps sliding up on the, the overall timeline. So that the oldest things that the kids that are trading in Lego now have are newer than the oldest things that kids a year ago that were trading in Lego had. So it's, it's, it still doesn't come up to today. It's, it's a few years back because they, they fell out of it. They slowed down. They, they, it sat for a while in their house and then they traded it in. So there's a little bit of gap there on the, on the front end too. But the oldest things you're seeing in a collection coming in now aren't that old compared to the oldest things you were seeing in a collection five years ago. Right. So it's, it's always creeping forward where I, we, we have to sort through the, the, the great color shift of 2003 still where they, they redid the light gray, the dark gray and the brown into the new versions of those colors. And we're seeing less and less of those pre 2003 colors which totally makes sense. It's getting further and further back in history, but there's going to come a day where we really don't see those colors anymore. The only times we're going to see them is if this collection also contained a handed down collection from an older person Mm. or the whole collection is just old and has sat somewhere for a long time. Interesting. Um, As I was searching for that set name, uh, it seemed that somebody created one in alternate colors. Now, what what's the term you guys use? You call it Grar Grank? Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> when you guys are doing this, the classic space episode, it it was some kind of acronym that you had for like gray and green, translucent or something. And... Oh, oh, oh! That uh, oh, Andrew brought to the t- uh, uh, is it? Grontron. Grontron, that's it. So that that that's it's basically the like the Danish, I think it was Danish word for green. Oh. Okay. Um because you know, think of black tron or any any color tron. Okay. Uh they just they they gave this was not official in any way. Uh fans of classic space. I don't even know if I want to make the term that general because I think this is a super niche thing for just like Andrew and the people he knows, but they have dubbed that late period of classic space where the sets were mainly gray with like the trans green windscreens. Uh, they've, they've named that Grand Tron. Grand Tron. Uh, with as many umlauts as you can slam in there. That's how many there are. Can I share my <laughs> screen and show this to you? Real yeah, quick? yeah. So here it is here. Uh, would this be Grontron? There's too much blue in there. Maybe. No, it's, there's, uh, Grontron wouldn't have any blue. Oh, this okay. is this is so. What this is, right. I believe, is a new version of that set, but using the um, post 2003 colors. I don't yeah. know how many. Without looking at them both side by side, I'm not sure how many um, part changes have been done to use parts that are made today versus parts that aren't any longer made today. But this to me looks like it's using light bluish gray instead of light gray, which would have been a post 2003 color versus a pre 2003 color. Right. 
Okay. Yeah, because it was making it, was... it a lot easier to to come by. Right. Gotcha. Oh, but it was white initially. Yeah, it was white. Okay, so then I think what that that version you were showing was is probably a let's make it look more like classic space, more like year one classic space. Right. Like, hey, gotcha. who put all this white in my classic space? So let's get it right. back to gray and triangles. Gotcha. Look at this one. That's wild. <laughs> There's a lot of color shifts online, and I don't know how to feel about them because on, on the one hand, it's it's cool to see, but then on the other hand, it's like, you could be doing something more productive with your time. <laughs> you could be more <laughs> creative than this. You're not being very creative. Come on. Maybe they're a Transformers collector, and they're all about just repainting the same thing over Black and over in different yeah. colors. Electron uh, repaints. Yep. <laughs> I thought that was kind of neat. Um, yeah, but I'd like to part that set uh, together. I know you had it in your store, I think, for like over a year. Because I would only go in your store like a couple times a year. Yeah. I remember seeing it on more than two visits. So it had to have been over a year that it was in there. I was like, wow, you know, I could buy this now. But darn, it's already built. It's like, I could <laughs> buy this now. you don't even now. know if it's complete. <laughs> right. It's like, darn, I could buy this now, but. I know I've got it in my crawl space. I should just dig those parts out and buy it. And it's like, and, and build it. And it's like, ah, you know, whatever. But, uh, well, what you, what you might do, because you said the colors are faded and scratched, mm-hmm. you might break that set down online and look at what has a current available, what, what parts are currently available in brand new condition. Cause they just have been available the whole time. And then what parts had a dead stop decades ago? You might wind up going through your totes with a short list of these are the things I would love to be able to find here because that's going to that's going to be the one of the best ways to get them mm-hmm. versus these are the parts I'm going to buy online because I could buy a brand new one from 2020 and it is is fresh. It's the exact same part. And and it's readily available, which I mean, it's mo- it, there's a good amount of white in that set, so you're probably going to want to replace the white if nothing Most else. Likely. Most likely, yeah. But there's also going to be a good amount of parts that are no longer in production. It's true, like these uh, weird tail fin things, probably, since you don't really build brick build airplanes anymore. At least from what I've seen in the current Lego sets, they're uh, it's all custom parts for the Air, fuselage. Airplanes and have a lot of prefab fuselage yeah. pieces, like more than you'd expect out of out of Lego. More than I expect out of Lego. Mm-hmm. I have I have three of those big airplanes in boxes on on the shelf right now at my store, and they look all they all three look identical because yep. it's the same tops, it's the same bottoms, it's the yep. same nose, it's the same tail the same giant wing piece that is obnoxious and I don't put them on Bricklink cause they're a nightmare to ship. <laughs> um, back in the day, I, um, I love the jet airliner set old, old Lego town set It is one of my very first ones that and a yellow helicopter. And, uh, is that one of the, uh, the hinge top? You just kind of crack it open. You got it. You got I it. Had, I had a bunch of those. There was oh. a, there's a flea market near me. Where like week after week, this one guy just had a bunch of those. I don't know where he's getting them from, but I, I bought 
several of those airplanes. They are. Uh, they're very sociable, a lot of fun. But I remember getting a couple of those, and then there was a uh, a medical plane. It was like Med Rescue One or something like that. And I remember getting a couple of those, and I built like a plane this long. It's like <laughs> just this long, skinny fuselage. It had multiple wings on the sides, and I did get the uh, the striping to align throughout the whole thing. So I was I was kind of proud of that. But it was like you know my plane had first class, second class, third class, you know baggage area <laughs> that, in the back. Your, your description reminds me of one of those <laughs> like um one of those uh, those phone filters where you where you you, you slide the phone and it it, it it like it's like almost like a panoramic, but it, it records what you've gone over, but then you can like move where you are and keep it going. And you wind up with this super long image. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I remember I had to put wheels on the back because if, because it was so back heavy, it would just always be in a takeoff pose. All the time. <laughs> it's it hilarious, but man, uh, yeah, those are, those are good times. Um, but yeah, when I see the planes out there now, I'm just like, Oh, this is, this is no fun. All you do is build this one plane and you know, whatever it's like, it's almost looks like Playmobil kind of stuff. Yeah. They're, they're very similar. The only time that changes is like when they do the cargo plane. So the, the interior is different and maybe it has extra hatches on the sides instead of all being internal. Yeah. I uh, also, I just wanted to mention too um, in recent weeks, obviously you've been having some staffing issues, I think for your, <laughs> your, your podcast cast. Is it that obvious? <laughs> and um, so it's been kind of cool seeing some, some new faces on here uh, to, to get their kind of take on, especially like if they're sellers or if they're just builders type of thing. Um, Cause obviously I've, I, I talk to you personally. We're friends. I listen to your show here. So, like, I kind of know where you came from. Um, I used to be able to watch your old videos and kind of see where you came from. Um, and I, I, want, uh, I, I hope there's, like, a, a big petition to, like, unprivatize your videos. <laughs> bring them back. We want to watch that nonsense. Yeah. But it, I mean, I always thought it was kind of fascinating to see like how you started. Obviously, I've seen your store where you're at, and I've I've seen where you've found your lane, so to speak, um, in your in your slinging of Lego. And uh, but listening to some of these folks with the that are still kind of figuring all that out is super interesting to me. Like um, some of the stuff that Bone Cheeker was talking about, he was, when when he went on about that story about misplacing those bricks and. He's like, oh, that they ended up being close to my personal collection as opposed to into my, you know, the shelves that I sell out of. For some reason, like that was really intriguing to me because I look at people. I mean, obviously in our community, you see people with shelves aligned with things they collect. But like on this show, you see people with shelves aligned with stuff that needs to be organized because they have to pick it and put it in orders and things like that. But um andrew right bricks and period he's not a seller right he's just a builder isn't not he? just a builder so so bone shaker he's like you see all this behind me that's my collection and i've seen like andrew set up too he's got yeah. everything nice and organized and like 
I I can only imagine of the six totes that I have downstairs. If I was to like just organize it to me would just be an incredible feat, an incredible satisfying feat, even if I have no reason to go back into those drawers again, but just to have it all organized. I could I just couldn't are there like big time builders that organize their collection in such a way so that I know that you can use these programs to kind of mock up what you need. And does that program just, if can you set it up to just spit out? It's like, okay, here's what I'm building. And then you just print out a list and you spin your chair around and you just start picking out drawers like boom, 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 boom. And I just remember as a kid, when you wanted to build something, uh, you just dumped a bin out on the floor and you picked, you start separating through colors, through sizes. And well, the, the difference you, here is yeah. these are, these are adults with money <laughs> and collections that have grown over many more years than a kid could possibly collect Lego for. Right. And so it, it has to get more advanced with how it's organized. And yeah, you could, you could use Bricklink to do such a thing where you, I mean, it might take some uh, some trickery where you have a couple accounts on Bricklink, uh, one for buying and one f- one from buy one for buying from yourself and one for right. selling to no one. Right. <laughs> where you 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 design something digitally, let's say using Studio on Bricklink, and mm-hmm. then you you could query that inventory against your own store as while logged in as your buying account and then buy it from yourself and then in placing that order you'll see where all the locations are if if that's how you have it organized if if it were me as organized as mine is that's how it would be done and then yes you could you could pull that order which is your mock or whatever you're building and then if you really wanted to to get around any fees or anything, or you know, maybe you pay the three percent to Bricklink because it's a super convenience to allow you to do that. Mm-hmm. But you could cancel the order after you're done and uh, choose not to return the items to your inventory <laughs> because you took them out. Well, I didn't think it would go that far. I was wondering that's, if there that's, was. No, it's the only place I take it. <laughs> I was. Uh, I was just thought that there'd be like a design program where you could inventory your collection and then I, I did I didn't even expect to or even think to <laughs> to do it through Bricklink, but that that is an interesting way of doing it. That way when you're done building, you can be like, how much is this worth? Boom. Look at that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> stu- uh, even if thing. you don't have the parts, Studio um uses because it's part of Bricklink, it uses mm-hmm. the average price from Bricklink for all the pieces. So no matter what you build, it will tell you about how much it costs. Wow. It, if you bought it at average from one store and there's no shipping costs, that's you know what it would cost to build this thing, which is super awesome. Just getting that heads up. I, when I did the um when I did the roller kit for the rock box, I did that in studio. Um and if I was I was trying harder to stay within a budget and and mass produce something I would have then used studio to tweak different parts to try to bring that price down 
as far as I could while still making it look good. But that's uh, I use that mainly because you can export um, instructions really easily from there, mm-hmm. which I did. And that was fun. I don't I don't know that I'd want to do that again. <laughs> that making the custom kit was definitely not fun. I, I'm glad I did it. I think I have one around here somewhere. <laughs> yeah, but I imagine like at Lego, like I can just imagine them like already having that in there. It's like, okay, designer, build this. And then it comes up with a price. I'm like, okay. And all you have to do is tweak it here and there, take out some parts, redesign how something's built. And it's like, nope, we're not down to that margin yet. All right, keep going, you know, type of thing. I, or, yeah, or you I'm, reach I'm sure a point where it's something like, similar to that. Yeah. Or you reach a point where it's like, okay, and now you have to make a decision. Do we build a new part and how would that offset things? And is that, does it go to a committee where someone's like, you know what? I needed that part three years ago, you know, kind of thing. This would be useful or something like that. I don't know. Uh, I'm sure there's some truth to all that there. When I was looking at individual sets, when they were newly inventoried, I was astonished at some of the old parts that were resurrected where we hadn't seen this part in X amount of years. And then here it is again, or this part is 30 years old, consistently released every year, but Mm -hmm. they just picked a new basic color to put it in all of a sudden after all those years, like, Oh, now it's in black. It's never been in black. Black's been a color since the Mm fifties and that part's been around since the seventies. But you know what? Here it is in black now. Never before seen. That's awesome when they do that kind of thing. That's one of my favorite things about Lego is when they when they bring out the old dog with the new tricks. Yeah. Uh, and I also find it interesting, too, like when you have these really big sets that you buy, say, like a Star Destroyer, for instance, the inside guts of it are just a rainbow of colors, you know, type of thing. Yeah. I find that interesting too. It's there's like... there's reasons beyond what I know that they mm-hmm. do that for, but one of the one of the prevailing opinions is that it is to help orient yourself directionally when you're building it. Uh, one of the big ones, if, if you remember the, um, I think it's still available, but if you remember the Steamboat Willie set. Mm-hmm. The whole thing's in black and white on the outside. The whole inside is rainbow and they have like the mostly red end and the mostly blue end because the thing is symmetrical, at least the bottom half of it. It's the bottom of a boat. So you're building it and they make sure to keep one color at one end and one color at the other end so that you don't swing it around by accident at some point. You You can keep um which it's it's similar to how the augmented reality works on the the hidden side sets where it's like these four colors are aligned this distance apart from each other. And that's how the, the camera knows what it's looking at. Oh, okay. Um, It's just different data points at different places. It used by colors. It's pretty interesting, but that's, that's the prevailing opinion. As far as I know is that it's, it's to help with um, making the build easier by keeping yourself oriented. But uh, there's also like, maybe they needed 
to get more of this color out there because they didn't put out enough this year or some nonsense mm -hmm. like that. Yeah, that's interesting too. Um, going back to organizing, say, your own collection, are there like websites out there that offer people advice? So, for instance, you have your own inventory system um, and you've had other people on God, the number Travis is Travis. No. Yeah. Yes. It's Todd. 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 Travis. No, not Todd. Todd. The one of your regulars, Travis, right? No. He's been on a few times. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ralph, or is it Ralph or Spirit? Ralph. Ralph, maybe. Ralph, maybe. Uh, but uh, he has his own inventory system, right? Like not every seller has their own same way of inventorying the bricks, right? Yeah. Yeah, you can you can organize you can physically organize your your inventory, your store inventory, however you want. The key is just doing it in a way where you can find it when somebody buys it. Right. But what I'm getting at is if somebody wanted to inventory their own collection in such a fashion, like do people offer is there like has someone written up like a dissertation or some kind of thing like here's the best way of going about doing this. Cause I just think that that would be kind of fascinating too. There might be, it's, it's that. all at that point, if it's for your own collection, your own building purposes, yeah. it's all about how you build and how much space you have and how much money you want to put into the storage. Uh, if you're more of a, you don't really know exactly what parts you want to use but you know the general shape and the general colors and you're more of the hands-on dump it all out on the floor kind of builder mm -hmm. then you would organize it more like how andrew does it where it's mostly by color um and then if you are a i know what i need i might even be building it digitally to begin with You'd probably organize it more like how uh, I guess Bone Shaker has it, mm. his personal collection, where it's it's in it's in small drawers, it's more finely organized, and he or um, or you could say how uh, Kevin Henkel how he organizes it, where his is pretty much fully sorted, and then it's like aligned by like rainbow going down and part type going across so everything's in this nice grid but he knows he knows the part he's looking for he knows where to find it versus he knows what kind of shape he wants to build and these are the parts something in this bin is going to get me there yeah. it, it depends on how you build um the, the sorting I have done for my store is 100% set up for we're selling this, not we're building anything out yeah. of this. It would be very difficult to build something out of how my bricks are sorted now. Yeah, I just try to think back as a kid when I would build random things. And, you know, as a kid, you think about it, you kind of you kind of have like you have a finite set of sets, a finite set of Legos if you kind of from a point in time. And if you're a real Lego head, you kind of have like a mental inventory of the parts you have because you remember them being in certain sets or you remember like I know where it is because it's still built over there and I know I can go get what I need. Yeah. And, you know, I can I just can't. It starts to hurt my head because I can't 
fathom like some of the things that I've seen at at uh, Brickfest, you know, that people build. I'm like the inventory they must have for these parts to to know if they know if they have it or where it might be, you know, type of thing. Whereas again, as a kid, it's like I know where some of the parts are because it's some of the stuff that I built already. I just need to take it apart if I want to use it again. But the other parts are in these two bags that I had, like these canvas. I remember they zipped like this. I don't know. Very odd things. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I just open them up and you dump them on the floor and <laughs> kind of sort away. It's just, uh, just, I don't know. I, it's just the organization of it kind of, it's just, again, it kind of baffles me. But it's also very interesting to see how people do that. And, and again, I, I can't remember which host it is that you have on, but I think he's a coder and he writes programs. That's Ralph. Yeah, yeah. It's Ralph. Yeah. And like, cause I hear him start dropping hints. He's like, well, I'd have to amend the code here. And I was like, I mean, I code. Well, at least I used to, I'm more project manager now, but uh, you know, an engine, a computer engineer by heart, you know, and it's just like, he's applying things that I do from a professional job to this, hobby you know it's, it's all it's all connected it's just, i love it it's fascinating it's great and now i just want to sit back and build this galaxy commander <laughs> can i place an order in bricklink and have it here tomorrow it's like... uh not in my store <laughs> <laughs> oh and when i think about because i've seen i've seen your your inventory your rows it's like do, do, do any of your employees count their steps for picking orders i'm just kind of curious of the i thought about that i I thought about getting one of those step counters well step counters what your grandmother would call it thought about getting a fitbit but (laughs) but um i thought about getting one when i was when i was heavy pulling orders or putting Mm -hmm. parts away to like see how many steps i got in a day but then i i dashed that thought because i don't want to like in because Vicky has a Fitbit and she's she's had them for years. I don't want to like ruin her day telling her how many steps I got just pulling orders or putting parts away versus her like trying to get steps right and getting a lower number if that's even how it would shake out. <laughs> so I, I didn't do that, but um, yeah, I would just I, I don't know the, <laughs> of the mileage your little aisles get. You know, I would just like in a week. Where right, you everybody can, you can see step. like the wear and the paint on the floor for sure. <laughs> yeah, I know it's just wild stuff. It's just, it's just so fascinating. I remember when you're in your old place and I sent my family pics. They're like, "Oh my god, what is this?" I was like, "This is a thing. People do this for a living. They sell Lego." <laughs> and they're like, "Really?" I'm like, "Yeah." So uh, my stepfather is a, a bit of a has a bit of a scientific mind and he was kind of asking questions like what do all the numbers mean right <laughs> yes that's the biggest question i'm like <laughs> if you look for more than a second you'll see they're all just sequential numbers that's yep. it and uh but you know one of the things lego doesn't they don't tell you like does anyone know the number of bricks that they put out a year right like they that, they that they have their like their boastful PR quips about like how how many get made in a second in a factory, but that's if uh-huh. the factory is running at the moment or maybe they run all the time. 
they don't it's it's privately held so they never tell you you wouldn't be able to know how many copies of any given set are produced in the lifetime of that set the only ones you'd know if you're going to take them on their word is the numbered editions that they'll put out where mm-hmm. there's only 10,000 of this because we told you so were there right. only 10,000 i don't know we all just believe it <laughs> Well, what I'm getting at is it's because we know that, you know, people who sell BrickLink, you know, some people will go out to stores and buy sets off the shelves and then part them out because the part out value is is attractive compared to the the retail price. Yeah, you're you're manipulating the raw material to make a new product to sell. Right. So and I'm kind of curious as to. I mean, if BrickLink is able to inventory new parts being coming in i was just if we would know the amount of new parts that are hitting shelves every year and the amount of parts that are being inventoried in bricklink you would know the percentage of parts that lego just puts out and immediately get put back for (laughs) again as you said for reorganizing the raw material and then you'd know all right on this particular year though they're is a gold mine of parts that have not been inventoried in BrickLink as new. So where do you think all that Lego is? Like, where's that gold mine? Like, where's that vein of Lego? Is it somewhere in the Midwest? It's like, there's a bunch of people who bought Lego out here, but nothing's been inventoried in that location, you know, kind of stuff. It's it's stuff like that kind of, I find fascinating too, because again, I mean, we came close this year, but who knows what happens next year, but I refuse to sell the Lego that I've accumulated over my life. Cause I feel that when the whole global economy breaks down, we're going to be trading Lego for goods. You know, those, those red translucent pieces that me and my best friend of childhood most affectionately referred to as antimatter parts. That's what Whoa. we called them. Yeah. That's a new one. Well, remember all... they were lasers. No, they're in classic space. They, they they were referred to as the antimatter pieces, and we actually created a little Lego box that we stored them all in, so we knew where they were because they were so valuable. But uh, anyways, what was I saying? Yes, the red ones, those red one by one cylinders, like that will feed me for a month in five years to come. Like I know it. I can feel it. <laughs> you know, I, I like the thought. I just don't know who's like going, yes, I'll trade you this food that I have for some <laughs> Lego pieces. Well, he's going to use the, those pieces to trade for gas to put in his tractor or something. Who knows? Uh, you know? <laughs> and I thought Lego changed hands too many times right now. They still I mean, have just... so many hands to change. You're walking down the street with just Lego in your pockets. I'm going to be able to buy a candy bar today. I don't know. Let's see. <laughs> we finally get rid of paper and coin money, and now we yeah. have Lego money. Yeah. Well, I was Something watching. Something new to jangle in your pocket. I was watching. There was an old show, um, Top Gear. Well, Top Gear is not an old show. Well, it's been around for a long time, but there's this guy in there, Jim Mays. And he put out a series on like Discovery Channel years ago. It was uh, Jim May's Toy Stories, and one of the things that he did was he built he built a domicile out of Lego. Um, like they built is, the bricks. Is this they, uh, is this James May or is there J- another character on the show? 
Uh, was it Jim? Jim Mays Toy Story. I don't think I could name all three of the guys on Top Gear. It was Jeremy Clarkson. Yeah. Let's see the British one. They're all the British one. Okay. Well, wasn't there like a Top Gear with like American people in it at one point? I remember. Seeing okay. Yeah. Like maybe. That. Maybe. But uh, anyway, yeah. He made, he made that house. I I know yeah. I saw clips of that. That's but, that's uh, that was a big mom share at the time. Oh yeah, and it was great because he would pour water in it, and everything would leak and everything, and it was it was hilarious. But uh, like water in the sinks and whatnot. But yeah. um, <laughs> but like there were some some tidbits in that episode. I don't remember what the actual numbers were, but there were like there was something like six pieces of Lego for every person in the world, or something like that, or maybe it was sixty pieces. I can't remember. Yeah, that that they, that's the um that's the like the the informational lego dk book greatest hits just right. thrown at you as background facts in this this tv show it's I all mean, mom shares to me oh, okay i mean but i was just like dude it could be currency it it, it really could and people don't use it to build things but you could use it for trade i mean i don't know i just i feel that it's gonna happen someday i'm sit. i'm gonna retire man six totes down there I'm gonna retire Sometimes I wonder about manipulating the 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 Lego availability market by it's like what if I just cuz cuz you know on like all the Lego boxes they they tell you that like hey if you're done with your Lego it's plastic you can recycle it you can just Wait, put it in the recycling um it's somewhere in the instructions or something it's like don't throw it out recycle it okay. which I don't see how either of those are options but well, I thought like you know, if you if you had enough will and enough money that you just wanted to go around just taking Lego and recycling it and just trying to trying to reduce the amount of Lego on the planet, <laughs> I wonder if you could ever make an effect. Well, yeah, I wonder. I mean, does Lego do any buyback? It's like they do. I mean, they uh they introduced something like a year or so ago. It was a strange rollout, but they were introducing this buyback where i mean they weren't buying it back it was for a charity uh-huh. they partnered with a hospital in boston like like um i want to say chop but the p is philadelphia and chop right, right. so chop. that children hospital of boston chop <laughs> <laughs> i hope it's chop that's hilarious um they partner with with chop or whatever to uh you could I I want to say they made it free to mail it, so it wasn't at any cost to you. But you could send any Lego you don't want straight to this like children's hospital, and I, I at some point I guess somebody was cleaning it, but it was all going to charity, and they 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 rolled that out, and it was I don't know how long it went, or if it's still going, or if it went over well or not, or if people. I would think the overwhelming response would be like, you're going to charge me how much for Lego? And then you're going to convince me I should give it away. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could write it off, I guess, if it's charitable or whatever. Yeah. But what, but what if it's all been, a, what if there's a vein of Lego in Boston somewhere? Like they've accumulated all this and Lego's like, ah, just, you can do whatever you want with it. And someone just left it there in the warehouse or something like that. There's a Lego vein in Boston. What if it's the children's hospital under Boston? It's like be an El Dorado. 
Chubb, yeah. El Dorado, Lego El Dorado, the city of Lego underneath Boston. <laughs> I hope so. That, Le- that's Legorado. a cool story. Hey, Lego Rado, that's the thing. Yeah, that's just, uh, just ask Matt. Yeah, Fort Lego Rado. Uh, good times. Well, I guess I get to uh, I get to do this, and it it actually it means something for once. I know it meant something last time because Bone Shaker's name is also Paul, so I told Paul, but not Paul, to get us out of here, Paul. But I can tell you to get us out of here because I think you know the spiel pretty well. Oh, yeah. Uh, so thanks, everybody, for joining. Like and subscribe. Hit the bell, right? <laughs> uh, I'm Brian B. from Delaware. Thanks for having me on. Uh, the Building Up to a Podcast is a part of a friendly network of podcasts known as The Cool Table, where you can find other great shows such as Shattercast Uncut, um, Stasis Lock, Verbally Challenged, uh, let's see what else we have. We have the shows on the <laughs> Realm of Collectors channel. Uh, we have Figure Banging, uh, which alternates Wednesdays with a new show called Shelf Gravy. Of course, Shelf Gravy, I don't know, is on the cool table, but it sure is cool. Um, where you can watch people custom paint items and have interesting conversation. Um, and of course, uh, Monday nights we have Enter the Realm. Tuesday nights is Figure Banging, and on Friday, make sure you tune into MPSP Theater to see what those guys are doing. Lots of shenanigans on that show. I don't know if they're on now. I didn't get an alert, so uh, or maybe I did. Nope. So uh, I guess they're taking the week off, like everybody else, except for you, Clutch. No break I, for you. I love that. I, I love that ETR on like a, a a week early said we're not on Monday. And I'm like, hey, Thanksgiving's on Thursday. <laughs> you can make Monday, but no, whatever. They're, they're all working hard, so that's fine. Well, it wasn't so much the working; it was so much like the travel. But it turned out nobody no one, traveling. It turns out nobody went anywhere. Yeah. Well, you know, you might have. Maybe people are staying over other people's homes, and that means you can't podcast. And that means you can't go back home. That's right. For fourteen days. What, what is what? Pennsylvania has some like you can't leave the state for over twenty four hours right now, or something. I don't know. I, I get all this information secondhand. I'm telling you, if they decided to close retail again, I wouldn't know until I tried to open and the cops showed up. Because oh, like really? I, I just yeah. I don't pay attention to the world. So if if the governor says uh, we're in the red and you can't open re- non-essential retail, I'll probably be the last to find out about it. Wow. The mailman yeah. would be like, why are you open? I'd be like, what do you mean? Why am I open? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I actually spent Thanksgiving in Philadelphia. Um, I have a, a new nephew that was born a couple of weeks ago, so I wanted to see him and and yeah, I spent it with family who's been under quarantine. So it was kind of nice to see them. But I was kind of like, well, I'm I'm going from Delaware to PA. Now I know you have to quarantine for 14 hours. But I think that only means like if you leave wherever you were going to. It's like I'm not going out to the stores and shopping in Pennsylvania. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just crazy craziness. 
but now they're what they said they said if you leave pa you shouldn't leave for more than 24 hours yeah they're, they're trying to I, I don't i'm sure there's some logic behind it i don't know what it is exactly but i think the idea is they don't want people doing overnights in other states mm. I don't know, it's all it's all it's all a conspiracy <laughs> to bring down the tourist economy of neighboring states down with New Jersey hotels. Don't give oh. them any hotel money. I don't know. It's messed up. There's there, there's a hotel. Last story of the night. Maybe there's a hotel in New Jersey that I stayed in once or twice when I vended in in like the the Parsippany Meadowlands area um i don't remember what town it's in but it's it, it's it's cheap that's why we stay there but in the i don't want to call it a kitchen in the the food area off offshoot of the lobby where you get your breakfast there are printed out eight and a half by 11 Microsoft word signs that say like, you can't bring food back to your room, but there's like a hundred of them. They're as thick as wallpaper in that area. They, they must've had the most ridiculous problems because there are these signs everywhere. You are unable to miss them. I think you have to move some of them to get to like the orange juice machine. Wow. They're, they're everywhere. It's, they're dripping from the walls. These signs. It's, it's, it's. It makes for a great, like, if you're staying there and somebody else that you're vending with is staying there, you're just gonna wind up saying that to each other for like three days straight. Just finding great times to interject with. You know, you can't bring this back to your room. <laughs> but that that's a fun hotel. Why can't you bring food back to your room? That's just weird. They want I, everybody congregating in the lot in the little kitchenette area to have their omelet hockey pucks and whatever else they give you in those i mean this this area is gonna seat like 15 people max right it's not that big a hotel it's one of those like two-story the parking lot is separate but the doors all face exterior where there's just like this balcony ring around the whole thing that you get into your room from so there's no it's no inside except for like the lobby and where the elevators are those are more like motels right like a double story motel i i don't want i didn't want to call it a motel because nobody gets to park right at their room gotcha but it's 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 on it's on the line between hotel and motel holiday inn oh man that's uh god i can't wait i I hope this these vaccine things work out and we can start getting back together again. I, I'm stuff. so unplugged. I, I don't I don't know anything about no vaccine. I'd like to think that it's real, but I'd also like to think that if they don't talk about a vaccine existing, then that only makes things worse. So yeah. even if it doesn't exist, they have to talk about like we got this. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, I know you're unplugged and everything, but uh, yeah. So uh, things are <laughs> getting pretty bad out there, Bricks, and uh, they uh, 
with the travel and the holidays, people are just the numbers are shooting up. It's getting it's not it's not great out there. People are panicking. Yeah, Again, I, I go didn't buy go anywhere. Paper. When you see toilet paper, just buy some. You know, I, so I went to Walmart because like I buy so much more toilet paper and paper towels for my store, the bathroom mm-hmm. at my store, than I do for my home. Because there's you know, all these customers and these employees, and I'm there more than I'm here. But I went to Walmart the other night because I needed more paper towels for the store. They didn't have any paper towels, but they had plenty of toilet paper. They got that shit backwards. <clears throat> and yeah. I just, I just wanted. I mean, I bought some toilet paper because, um, I mean, that one's going to run out at some point at the store. So I'll just grab another one while I'm there. Yeah. Just one. But yeah. I couldn't get any paper towels. Oh, yeah. yeah, on my Lego hunts, uh, I went to Target looking for that damn seasonal poly bag, which I still haven't found. I'll maybe try next week. Uh, I found the spot for it, just no bags. Um, I was like, well, I'm not leaving here empty-handed. I went down the paper products aisle. I was like, well, they have paper towels. I guess I'll just buy some of this while I'm here, you know, so the trip's not a total waste. Have have So somebody who's – well, I don't know if you're somebody who's out and about, but somebody who's – looking for things uh have like lysol wipes existed since february and they're just they sell out immediately or have they not actually existed since then because as far as i know they haven't existed since then i i am not one who's out looking around <laughs> like i just started going to targets and walmarts probably like a month ago you gotta get yourself the wawa man i heard i haven't I heard, been the wawa, I heard the stories man. You got to get to Wawa. They never actually closed. They had a security guard for a while making sure you had a mask on. It's good to go. I just never, I just, it's, it's so out of my routine now, but I drive by it whenever I leave the house. It's just like, I I was, I remember Wawa. Vicky and I went for like a two hour walk yesterday and I was telling her about your conversation involving uh, what do you, what habit did you change that you miss or right. don't miss? And you said traveling at 60 miles an hour, at least twice a day. Yeah. I was like, that's so out there. Like you wouldn't think about that. Right. And again, my life really hasn't changed at all this year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's, that's a thing that I miss. I miss like when I got to drive to Philly with no traffic yesterday there and on the way home. And I was like, wow, I've reached 80 miles an hour. I haven't been 80 miles an hour in so long. I might as well be flying. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, wow, this is what it feels like. It doesn't even feel like it's that fast. You know, I had to like (laughs) slow down. I was like, wow. But it's, yeah, it's little simple things. Like I love driving. I mean, there was a point where it was like, if I wasn't driving to work, I I wasn't going to work. Like that was the whole highlight was the, the, the travel to work. Um, which I know is a bane for some people, but you know, it's something I always look forward to. But now here I am working from home for the last eight months and oh it's driving me crazy. I need to start going on two hour walks. That's what I need to start doing. Yeah, there's a great park right here that like we could walk to it and then walk all mm-hmm. the way around it and then walk back and that's about two hours. It's nice. I don't know how my feet hurt because my shoes were not the right shoes, but whatever. Right. Um a two hour walk, man, I mean that's a good like six seven miles depending on your pace maybe i yeah i uh that's like the core of my exercise is walking i try to walk like every day if yeah. i can 
I haven't been able to walk lately because I've been too busy. It's not the cold. The cold doesn't determine the right. deter me. It's uh, there's no time, man. Yeah, the the busyness is what has deterred me. But now I am finally through this horrible work stretch that has had me keeping me very very busy. So it's like now I have to make that time. It's time to make that time while I have the time and get get onto a new habit. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. All right. Well, I guess we've we've shared enough stories. I think we covered some Lego topics. I think we've reached our quota. And uh, I don't even. Are you gonna are you gonna listen to this one again, or are you you good because you were here? Oh yeah, I gotta listen. I got a thumbs up, and I got a comment, and then that solidifies the fact that I've that I've moved on to the next episode. Nice. And tune in next week around <laughs> Friday to find out. Which one random person I had on the show next week? <laughs> it's, it's the new face of building up to it. It's who am I going to be talking to for two hours? I don't know. Um, hopefully, uh, Matt and Paul's lives get get settled down and they can come back on the show. They're responsive. They haven't disappeared. Like you know, remember that time Matt disappeared for months? Yeah, <laughs> they're yeah, responsive. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, I'll be happy to have them back, man, uh, to have the trio back together. Um, uh, Paul going through, does he still go through the Flickr pages or how whatever that was, spotlighting people? Or we haven't done the spotlight in a while. Um, but because uh, I, I skip around, so I, it's like your current shows are so off your segments or whatever. So, like, I'm listen to old shows and stuff like that so i'm I'm not really sure what the what the formula is but uh, it, it I, changes i don't i don't know that there is a formula anymore like we either we either have some top if we haven't had topics good topics predetermined topics let's say mm-hmm. in a while but we will have episodes where there's we're talking about this then this then this and sometimes we only make it through two of them and that's enough time but uh matt cracks me up man i just <laughs> His, it, it's so subtle, and I don't know if I don't even know if it classified as dry humor, but it's just so subtle, and it just it picks because I'll listen on the background, and I'm like, I'll just start laughing because it just I don't know, it's just he just cracks me up, man. Well, we'll uh, we'll we'll put it in right now and say Matt watch 2021. That's right, because <laughs> I don't know that you'd see him again this year. So Matt watch 2021. Leave it in the chat, I guess. And that'll do it. Thanks for watching. I don't know. Next week, Friday-ish. I don't want to be the Friday-ish show. I want to be the Friday, 6 a.m. Eastern. Be there.